Yo, yo, what it do, everyone? It's Dr. Jordan Seda coming to you live from NYC. Are you ready to go to health and back? All right, let's get it. Welcome to Health and Back, a podcast run by a physical therapist focused on fitness, performance, and mindset tools for success. And now, here's your host, Dr. Jordan Seda. What it do, people? It's been a minute, but I am back here today with a longtime friend of mine, and honestly, I have to say, one of my early mentors in the development of my my business endeavors and just like getting through school in general, uh, Mr. Dominic Amboise. Did I say that correctly? Yeah, if you want to go crazy with the <laughs> French pronunciation, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm all into French stuff now. I, uh, it became one of my COVID activities to learn French, so I'm at intermediate level French and uh, it's oh, not bad. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, okay, comment allez-vous? We'll do the French version later on if this becomes a thing. Uh, but anyway, okay. like I said, I've known uh, Adam for since like 2010, I believe, maybe even earlier than that. Earlier, 2009. Like yeah, wow, that's kind of yeah. crazy. So. Dom and I both went to Rutgers University, and actually we both ended up at Columbia University for grad school as well, so our paths are directly uh, aligned with one another, but obviously I became a physical therapist, and Dom is a, a dentist, and he's been a dentist for quite some time now, and I want Dom to share his experience about how he got to where he is, and I'm going to let him take the floor now. So Dom, tell us a little bit about how you came to be Dr. Dom, the dentist. All right, so, you know, shout out to everybody listening. Um, it's Dom Ambrose. Uh, my background, just to briefly get into it, from Queens, New York. Um, I was always somebody who was very self-motivated, but I guess you could say my Bruce Wayne moment, um, my mom passed away when I was 16 from breast cancer. And that was a very, like, uh, pathway kind of moment where I could have went down the dark path or the light path. Um, and I took a path in the middle where the darkness inside me kind of propelled me forward. So when I met Jordan and when I was in Rutgers and everything, I had this necklace around me that was uh, my mom's um, graduation. So I always told myself, I'm going to graduate dental school. I'm going to get there. I want to be the best and yada, yada. And that was like a huge motivator for me to get through. So I spent a lot of my college years not really partying up. Like I actually met Jordan as an RA. So as an RA, you had this responsibility to be a little bit more civil, even though Jordan and I got it in <laughs> when we when we had the opportunity to do so. And shout out DH, DH, DH if you're listening. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> shout out DH, shout out Libby, Libby crew. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so so I was highly motivated and highly uh, you know um, driven to get to the best schools. So I ended up getting into actually Harvard and Columbia and a bunch of the best schools. And I, another motivator was I was actually studying with another dude. He was another black dude like me, very tall. Um, we were both highly motivated. And right before we got into school, he tragically died as well, the summer right before we got into dental school. And I met his parents and shaking their hands and crying, they told me that I am him now and I have to do everything that he would have done and blah, blah, blah. So 
it's like another moment where like I was huge motivated to really propel myself and be the best and et cetera to get into um the situation that would best suit me. So I got to Columbia um and I was, you know, killing the game, doing everything I had to do. And then I met my my wife or my my girlfriend at the time, my wife, while I was in school too. And we had a baby really early on as well. So that was another thing. Like now I gotta, you know, take care of my son and, and do the best for him and, and and go crazy as far as that's concerned. So, you know, there are all these motivating factors where you could see something as a barrier, um, or you could see it as something to motivate you to propel yourself forward. And I've had many a situation that could have made me really, you know go off the deep end but no matter what situation I came across I used it as something to propel me forward and now I'm in a position in a in a company that's you know multi-million dollar company I'm a lead doctor there I've been a lead doctor for a couple of years the office that I that I run is making millions of dollars a year and I'm in a position there where now we're looking for what the next step there is as well and um like Jordan says entrepreneurship is important in some degrees and in some degrees you know what you grew and seeing if you can get partnership in a way that's a little organic is another way that you can find a way to help maneuver a dual life because as a father and as a husband you know there's a limited amount of time if i want to be as present with my kids as i want to be in my in my work life that i that i have so it's it's been a it's been a question i've been asking myself particularly for the last couple of years is do I want to drop everything and just go balls to the wall and open a practice and do all that stuff? And I've had opportunities. I've had friends that I've met who, who really want to work with me because they know my work ethic. They know I'm driven. Um, and do I want to just maintain this kind of golden shackle kind of situation where it's like, hey, I'm not the king of the castle, but I'm able to provide my family a lifestyle that I never would have dreamed of. Um, and how can I grow in that environment? So it's that dichotomy that, some of you who are listening may end up dealing with as to whether or not you want to be an employee or you want to be an employer. And we all should look for ownership in some degree, but does it have to be in your nine to five? It's not necessarily like I'm looking at owning homes and doing Airbnb. I'm looking into crypto and NFTs and stuff. So you can find ownership in a myriad of ways. And that's what keeps me kind of grounded as far as where I'm at now and not too like FOMO, but, um, you know, I think everyone has to just kind of find their way to the cafeteria, like I always just tell you, Jordan, and there's not only one way to do it. And um, I'm trying to find my way. <laughs> you know, I go back to that comment very often because I used that on a neuroscience exam in 2013 at Columbia when my professor asked for a mantra that, you, that I used to get me through tough times and through PT school. And she's like, who wrote this? And I gladly raised my hand and she's like, I showed this to my daughter and her daughter was like 10 at the time. She's like, she had no idea what the hell this, what this meant. And if anyone else writes something like this moving forward, I might have to fail you on the exam. I was like, okay, but you know, <laughs> but these are the principles that I don't know if it's just like, you know, us Rutgers boys and, and making it happen. But I see a lot uh, of, um, like I think about your, your path and, where all this drive came from and i'm just kind of curious like is it something that was instilled in you from birth like through your upbringing or just over time just like you know good positive circumstances just seem to manifest like the people you surrounded yourself with like where does it all come from oh your tribe is really important like 
you have the tribe you were born into and you have the tribe you manifest. Like I, I always knew when good people were around and I always managed to keep them close. People like you, um, people like DH, people like, you know, you know, obviously the podcast is not going to know all these people, but I've always managed to whatever walk of life I'm in, I'm like that person right there. I'm hold on to them. That person right there. I, 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 I feel the vibe over there. And I always try to surround myself with people who have traits that I don't necessarily have. Like, I feel like you're a lot more outgoing perhaps than me. And you're definitely more of a risk taker. And I always really like that about you because it reminded me a lot of my little brother. Um, he was considered the black sheep. Um, and I know you got a twin brother and you were always considered the more devilish one with your twin brother. And um, I vibed with that because I always used to motivate my little brother as well. It's like, yo, don't let nobody tell you what you are, what you're not. Like you get to determine that. And he used to always be compared to me all the time too. And I used to shut that down. Like, no, don't compare him to me. That's that's my path. Like he's going to have his own. He's a lawyer now. And anyone who would have met him 10 years ago would never would have dreamed my little brother would be a lawyer now. But that same kind of Ambrose, yo, F that mentality. I'm going to do what I got to do to get where I got to go has been instilled within all of us by our parents. And then the tribes that we built as we as we started to move forward, like he has a lot of close friends. I have a lot of close friends that I keep around that make sure to keep me grounded. And one thing that I do now and I've been doing for a few years is having an accountability partner. So I have this close friend of mine who I actually met at Columbia um, as well. He was one of those dudes that was like him. I like him and I kept him around. Um, now we have a call every month where we have goals that we set. And if he doesn't hit a goal that he set, I'm going to hold him accountable. I'm going to be the person who's going to punch him in the face. He's like, yo, you said you're going to do that. What's up with you? And the same for me. And we have personal and we have professional goals. So if you don't have that you know, ability to hold it on your own, which not everyone does, and kudos to the people who can look in the mirror and check off this stuff on their own. But if you could just appraise somebody to hold that position for you, and you can hold that position for someone else as well, as much as you give in the world, you take. And you know, there's givers and takers in the world, and I try to be both. You really have to have balance. And when it comes to that part of me, when I have or need drive, I find something that anyone will look at and be like, damn, that's that sucks. I'm like, that might suck for you, but that's motivation to me. So it's really about perspective. And if you could have perspective on things and you could find your way to navigate something that could otherwise be seen as negative into a positive, then you're never going to run out of ways to motivate yourself. You could even look at people like Jordan. who used to invent things that people said about him to motivate him to kill you. You could see him as a psycho for doing that. Or you could see as someone that, hey, when he lacked the barrier, he created one. Because there's nothing more motivating than something that's telling you you can't. And that's generally just what pushes me always, especially being a tall black man walking into an environment where people look at me and the first thing they ask me is, do I play basketball? I could be wearing a white coat, tie, have a stethoscope in my hand, whatever. It's basketball. And it's like, bro, I, I got no jersey on. There's nothing about me except my skin color and my height that will even give you the idea that that's something you should ask me. But it's something I deal with every day. And it's motivating because, you know, although I love basketball, it's a great sport. It doesn't define me and never would and never will, actually. But it's what I deal with when I go everywhere, um, in, especially in the U.S., that, that sees me as that. So you just got to find the things that motivate you. There's not really any secret sauce to it. And no matter what your upbringing, you don't need to have some kind of crazy experimental thing happen to you. You could just invent the thing or look at the thing you're already dealing with and make it a bigger deal to you and then find a way to get over it. That's, that's as simple as I could tell it. 
Straight facts, man. Straight facts. I feel you. It's funny. A lot of people at Rutgers might not necessarily have thought that I had a plan and that I was going about that plan. I had my ducks in a row. You know, I think anyone could appreciate being in in college with you know relative temptation sometimes. And I'm not saying that I made really horrible decisions, uh, but I did make some mistakes. And uh, to Don's point, like everyone thought I was the mischievous, the devilish one. But I'll never forget, I remember I was out celebrating my acceptance into Columbia and someone came up to me and said, I can't believe it's you and not your brother that's going to Columbia. And, you know, little statements yeah. like that over time, it's like, I never doubted that I was going to Columbia. This is your perspective of me. But by having people like Dom in my network and seeing how he handled his business to get to where he needed to be, and I think you can appreciate that, like, we're still trying to handle our business. Life is still throwing challenges our way, but because of the previous challenges that we've had to overcome, and over time we see our colleagues suddenly drift away because they might not exactly fit the mold of the tribe that we need at this stage of our life. Like I see, you know, and many entrepreneurs might feel this way, you can't just associate with everybody because some people might not exactly, and it's not to say that you need to be an entrepreneur in life like, like you mentioned, it's just like at my table, I need people who are going to push me. I need people who can understand that I'm not going to be available all the time to chill. I'm not going to be as I, I just have to be very self-driven and relatively selfish, which is a negative. It's perceived as being a negative trait, but I need people at my table who are going to be like, like you said, you said you were going to do this next month. What's the plan for that? And, you know, I think I, I have a lot to be grateful for, for the nice twin, my twin brother. Uh, for being that person that I can bounce ideas off of and he'll be like, yo, you, you know, you said you were going to do this, what's good? And slowly but surely here I am creating a brand that I'm proud of, gaining some trust from people and, you know, I didn't expect to be here as a 31-year-old single male in New York City, but here I am, I'm embracing the challenge. Uh, this is not a call to action for a, par a partner, but... Uh, <laughs> You don't know, you know, this is, I don't know if it's fate or any other, I do believe in energy flow, but this is the circumstance, I'm playing my hand, and uh, there's no stopping me. There's no stopping me. Well, let, let me turn the tables on you for a second, Jordan. So, you, you, you were somebody's employee at one point, and then you made your Jordan move where you got cut from the team, so to speak, and you went and you started your own bowls. So... What can you tell me about your journey so that I can understand what can motivate someone like me who is a Jordan in an employee situation that may be motivating enough to cut that and to jump over the, the edge into the waters that may not be as comfortable because there's a comfort in knowing where your money's coming from. And there's a big discomfort in knowing that you got to earn your way and make your own capital when you're in that situation. I want to hear where that's from if I could turn the table for a second. Yeah, so I've had a, a couple of different, uh, I guess you call them aha moments or moments where you have to, you decide that you need to take a new path. I think the first, I had many. I realized I couldn't provide the quality of service that people need about four years ago when I was just working for you know, a high volume clinic and I was like, all this evidence-based information that people are sharing out there that, peop that will get better results for people. And, save money for healthcare spending and all that stuff in the US. I can't actually apply any of this 
and we're just perpetuating this like length of stay and very capital driven healthcare model and I wasn't doing my best work so I was working hard making okay money but really being unfulfilled so then I started working part-time with who's now a very good friend of mine in his practice which is like one hour treatments out of network much I was better able to provide the services that people need but then I realized that my money what I was earning was only partially due to my efforts but I was depending too much on his practice to provide for me so there are times when I remember in the summer it's usually historically bad for healthcare because people travel often out of the city and they're not really around so I'm like where's my where's my side money at like I'm not getting any business right here and the business I was getting at the time was coming from referrals for me but I was giving a cut to somebody else because that was my avenue of treating people so that was another one of those moments when I realized you know, I met somebody who was a business owner and I had a conversation he's like create your LLC tomorrow he's like the worst thing you want is for you to start catching fire and not having a business to grow because of all the paperwork and everything that needs to be involved because it took me about three months for New York State to file my LLC and make sure that I was in good academic standing with the education department. It's pretty wild for healthcare providers how much work goes into it. Fast forward to today, because I, I wasn't, I haven't been full full time as an entrepreneur, and some people don't know this, since 2019 when I created my business. It wasn't until relatively recently where I left a full time boutique job, or not left, but I was basically shown the door and it had nothing to do with my performance just difficult times but you know I have some friends that are asking me it's like oh are you gonna find another job how's the job hunt I'm like the job hunt like there ain't no job hunt right now the job hunt is I'm going for it I'm gonna create my ideal environment I'm gonna suffer a little bit financially so ladies I'm not on the dating apps right now I can't do it y'all are too expensive I need to take a break uh, but if you meet me organically, that's cool. I can chill and we can go to the park and have coffee. That, that's cool. I'm into that. But right now it's like I'm already seeing the fruits of my labors pay off. It doesn't mean it's comfortable. I don't have a wife to provide financial support for me. What I will say in terms of, and this will be a good segue into your crypto and maybe other adventures that you have, I'm grateful that I've been economically savvy over the years. To the point where I'm not living paycheck to paycheck and I could support myself even if I net a relative loss compared to what I was earning from the nine to five job. So, but I will say since 2019, despite being in a pandemic, I've been profitable every single month, every single month, whether it's like a hundred dollars, whether it's thousands of dollars, every single month, because there's no... People are like, oh, just chill on the weekends. Like, yes, I enjoy time for myself. I need the mental reset. I enjoy cooking a nice meal on a Sunday, reading a book, chilling with friends. There's time for all that. But if I can also create content, send emails out, like maybe do one session with somebody on a Saturday morning before I train capoeira, like those are all things that I am grateful that I have some flexibility to do. Because uh, right now, you know, I do have to work a little bit harder and longer than I would like. But I know that there will be a point at some day where I'll be able to call the shots a little bit more clearly. And that 
freedom, the liberty to create my ideal practice environment, serving the people that I believe I can affect change in most. Because now I went from a generalist where it's like anyone who walks in the door is fair game as long as they pay to. Now I do capoeira. I love treating capoeira. And from capoeira, I get martial artists from other disciplines. I get ballroom dancers and other dancers, acrobats, break dancers, parkour. And now all these other people are starting to look at me through a different lens. So by doing this and creating and speaking to this demographic, I'm attracting individuals from other areas of movement that value my eye and my expertise. Granted, you're still, you're still gonna get some people who are like, oh, it's too expensive, I can't afford it, but which is cool, and you play the long game with, with them. It's like you just try to be a resource in whichever way possible because people want to invest in you if they see value, and that's relative because some people are willing to pay $500 for, for you know all intents and purposes, I think, shit, shit treatment or, or care from somebody else. But if it's all about perceived value at the end of the day and wh where you want to allocate your resources. So I'm trying to be a model that people value, you know, see the value in my services. I still consider myself relatively affordable relative to the market, especially here in New York. Uh, so catch me while you can at that at that relatively <laughs> low rate. Uh, but I've been talking a lot and I don't like doing that on my podcast. So I think in a nutshell, because I can keep going. Uh, that's that's why I'm, I'm where I am today. That's awesome. Yeah. So, in terms of you're here, and we know kind of what drove you, but I'm sure the road to where you got today in your practice as a dentist it has not been easy. So, what would you say you learned in these years of of practice, and what you had advised new dentists and anybody pursuing, I, I, guess, I guess any career that involves facing a patient, uh, how would you yeah. advise them to go about their business? So I think there's a, there's a dichotomy in, in healthcare that, and you, and you kind of touched on it for a second, where you're, you're, you're considered evil in a way if you, if you consider the, the financial aspect. And that's something that I don't shy away from. And I would recommend anybody in healthcare to be very upfront with the concept that you are not just some altruistic, benevolent, you know, um, giver of care. You are somebody who has loans, I'm sure, who has maybe a family or at least yourself to take care of. And you don't want to be so, you know, guilty for being able to charge a service for something that you should be proud of. Like, I'm a damn good dentist and I'm proud of that sure you're a damn good physical therapist and you're proud of that so charging a fee for your services shouldn't be something that you you're looking at as oh no uh, please don't don't look at me as this bad guy so that's the number one thing first be good at what you do don't be half-assed don't do be good enough be good at what you do first because then when you get to the next step as being confident in charging for what you do you can know that hey i will go to me and if I would go to me, I'd pay what me costs. And once you have that concept set inside of yourself, you should have no problem saying, hey, this costs $5,000. Look them in their face and tell them this is what it costs. I will do you a service. I'll make sure that you don't walk away with this unhappy with anything, but it costs X. What's up? If you try to hide away from that and like you throw someone else in there, like a secretary or a front desk person, whatever, to do all the numbers and you run away from it without confronting that on your own, you're going to have a lot less success and you're going to be in a position where you're, you're, you're scrapping for the, you know, 
just good enough type of dentistry or whatever position that you're in or just good enough work that you get across the table or just what the insurance will pay for. You don't want to be in that kind of position. And I'm not crapping on insurance because I do take PPO insurance. I know that it's important and I'm sensitive to people's budgets, but I'm not going to lower my quality to fit that. I'll let them know, hey, we'll do this now and then come next year when your insurance process, we'll do the other stuff. But I'm not telling you to do something cheaper and less effective because of your insurance or because you, 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 you're you having trouble with it. This is just what it costs. And hey, if you can't afford it, I know a great school. I know these hospitals that do it for cheaper. Like, I'm, I'm not going to steer you in a direction where you could find harm, but I will definitely let you know this is what it is. And you'll find your way if you just take those steps appropriately. So that's definitely the biggest thing that I would suggest to people is don't shy away, especially in healthcare, from knowing your worth and what you're doing as a service. You shouldn't go crazy. And I don't think it's right to overcharge people. I'm very sensitive to that as well. You should have some kind of metric as opposed to the peers that you're doing it where you say, hey, I'm gonna charge a little bit more because I think I'm a little bit better. Charge a little bit less because maybe I'm still working on this. Whatever, I'll charge you like fair value, whatever it is. But you got to confront that aspect and you got to be real with people because people really value honesty in this world. There's so much lies. There's so much information that is just misused and misaligned. There's so much stuff that people are confused about. So if you could be a source of just objective, straightforward, no BS facts, and it's within something you can prove by pictures, by evidence, by, um, you know, different kind of metrics, people will value you so much. And you can get away with being a little bit, you know, off kilter sometimes, because I could show you guys, if you ever come see me in my practice, you'll hear music, you'll have laughter, and you'll have some very honest, direct information. I'm not going to be sugarcoating stuff and making you feel better about something. It's going to be the real. And I think people respect and appreciate that, especially when it's coming from a place that perhaps they're not expecting it from. So don't hide from anything in, in whatever realm that you're in. Take it head on. And I think you'll find yourself within a lot more people will appreciate that than trying to, you know, make the masses like you or something like that's never going to work. Just get the people that, you know, appreciate you, like how what you're doing with your cabretta and all the martial artists and everything. You're finding your niche environment that respects and appreciates that. The people who want to be sugarcoated and get the flowery talk, I'm not your dentist. Go to somebody else. That's fine. I, and that's another big thing. The best patients and the best clients and the best whatever are the people you said no to the people that you saw, there was going to be a problem. There's a misalignment in code, in, in aura, in energy. You, you're big on energy. I'm big on energy, too. When I feel like the energy is off, I'm like, hey, I, I, I don't think I'm the right guy for you. I know what I'm doing, but I, I think you're looking for somebody else. There, it could be the biggest case. Oh, my God, $30,000. What a, what a great case, whatever, blah, blah, blah. No, I, like, peace of mind is everything. Everything is peace of mind. And I can't tell you how many, I, I think, pleasure in saying I, I really don't feel like I'm the person for you it's gonna be okay with somebody else because you don't know how much time and energy you save it by doing yeah I feel that I think but to your point you're able to kind of be the the conduit to other resources for example if they think your your cost is too much or if they're not a good aura or energy fit for the type of dentistry that you provide and I think there's nothing wrong in just being positive because that person might go to that other resource and realize they made a, a relative mistake and that you were the guy or woman, if it's not talking about you specifically, that 
can provide a quality service because there's a lot of value in trust. So if I, when people refuse me or want to see somebody else, I encourage them to judge my body of work. Go try this resource out, then take a look at the social proof and other reviews that I have. Judge my body of work. If you're really still dissatisfied after that, fine. But more often than not, it's like I tell people, if you want, the thing about healthcare is I can't guarantee success because treatment of the human body is way too complex and it's not something that I have complete control over. None of us do. Even the people who are in pain, they don't have complete control. But would you like having a 95% chance of being better or 50? And a lot of that, and I, I don't have those numbers to, to support, but I'm just saying there's a lot of value in feeling like you're all in, I'm all in, I get it right most of the time, whereas someone else, you don't know. You don't know if someone's going to give you their best effort. You don't know what someone's body of knowledge is relative to your needs. So I think weeding people out is, is a very good thing and everyone wins at the end. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta be able to know um, what works best for yourself because do no harm is what we're taught as far as the Hippocratic Oath and what we're dealing with, but it's not treat all people. Like that's, that's not the way it is. Obviously somebody is in some kind of emergency. It's not what I'm referencing. I'm talking about elective care. Someone's walking into your office. You don't have to, you're not obligated. You're not expected to treat every single person. There is a dynamic that needs to be aligned when it comes to these things. It's no different than maybe getting a good barber or, or, or hairstylist or whatever the case may be. Like when it comes to positions like ours in which the majority of our patients aren't in life or death situations, but they have a choice, they have a, a litany of options they can go to. You want to make sure that when you're putting in all that effort, all that time, all, all those sleepless nights to make sure that everything goes right for this person, that they're trusting in you and they're not looking at you as a way to be litigious or they're not looking at you as a way to be to, to kind of get something out of you or whatever the case may be. Like I'm never in that mindset. And I think that's one of the good things about where I'm working now is because I, I heard you say that um, in your previous place, you weren't you weren't really like in the position to give the best care or really kind of like lead with, with the evidence that you had. And it's nice to know that in my position, despite not necessarily owning where I'm at, I'm really kind of my the captain of my own ship and I get to kind of call the shots as far as the way I see it. Um, and in, in that position, you can definitely make calls that maybe you would go back and change. But at the very least, you don't have to look at it like, damn, that person, the only reason why I did this in the first place, like you never want to feel that way. And if you're in a position, um, entrepreneurial or otherwise, where you're in that kind of situation where you feel like you are challenging your own moral compass to fit that of your employer, you're not in the right place. You should have some kind of alignment or you should be doing your own thing. And that's kind of where I find the, the, the dichotomy the rest as to when one benefits the other is when you can't find a place in your employment to get that um, alignment. So you, you find your own path. And um, even when you can find that alignment, you can still find your own path and you can maybe compound and you can expand and scale it. So there's there's a lot of different ways, again, to the cafeteria here. Um, but the one thing I definitely want people to understand is that you don't have to be forced into any of those ways. Then You should not be shy of trying all the ways, but once you find one that works for you, you should make sure the environment around you fits that in as much you can control it so that you're not in positions of, you know, um, negativity or, or regret.
Yeah, I mean, it, it's, uh, it's a trap, right? Having a, a salary job just to have some stability. Maybe you get your one or two vacations a year to wherever you want to go. The health benefits and the 401k. It's all nice, but it's like, what are you... What is the trade-off for having all of that stability and security? It's relatively being unable to practice the way you want. You're probably overworking, taking a lot of work home because documentation usually doesn't finish in the office. And you know, you're gonna spend a lot of time just like having to ask for time off first of all. And you know, you're maybe hoping for a 3% raise at the end of the year. Oh God, I hope I did well enough on my performance review where it's like, Here's the world in front of me. It's mine. It's exactly. mine. And listen, and if I fail, I have nothing. And I won't. I won't fail. But if I did, I think regret is one of the worst feelings in the world. And I don't want anyone to tend. I mean, and it's never too late to start an entrepreneurial journey. I want to say that. But when you're older, you don't want to look back and say, oh, I wish... I started a business or I wish I went on that vacation and now I can't or oh, I wish I called that girl back that I met like 20 you, you, you gotta go for it all the time and you never know what's on the other side of it but what's worse is never knowing yeah that's the worst thing like I'm a big gamer and we can we can segue into uh, crypto and stuff too after this I'm a big gamer so when I'm playing a video game when I'm trying to decompress or taking that me time after the kids go to sleep and whatever. Um, it's the worst feeling in the world where you get to that fork in the road and you don't know what's on the left and you don't know what's on the right. And you go to the right and then it's like the path continues and you're like, oh, snap, did I miss like a treasure chest or some kind of like cool item or something on the left side? So then I double back and go to the left side and make sure it's like that regret feeling sucks. I hate that regret feeling. And that that probably stems from a lot of my uh, upbringing and a lot of the things that I dealt with when, when it comes to loss and stuff like that, things I wish I would have said, I wish I would have did, blah, 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 that I can never get those moments back. So that wish I could have is something that it, it stings and it bites and it gnaws all the time. And that could easily segue into crypto, which maybe some of you are into. Um, I know I'm, I'm pretty big into crypto. I'm really interested in the Ethereum and Bitcoin and NFT of it all. Um, and uh, I think that's a nice understanding of where ownership could go, because there's examples of being part of this world where if you own something like that, that isn't necessarily tangible or fungible, like they say, that can allow you to have access to things. Maybe one day, Jordan, you could have like an NFT that if someone owns it, they can have some kind of access to you as a physical therapist. And that NFT would expire in X amount of years or whatever. And that's what I think is going to be the future. So I'm wondering, like, how much do you know about it? Uh, what are you into, if any of it? It's funny because I was talking about this last weekend with uh, my Capoeira group because we were traveling. And um, I, I probably am, like, level two understanding of crypto and net <laughs> NFT in general. Like, I understand, like, the, the general foundation of, like, what an NFT is. Uh, and I had invested in Ethereum a while ago. I don't know where it stands now. Uh, I did not do well, so I pulled out maybe a little bit too early. Uh, I was going a lot based off of insight from people that I trusted. And I still trust, but it was it didn't work out for me at the time, and I kind of never revisited it. 
I don't know what an NFT would do for me in a business setting, so I haven't explored any opportunities around that. Yeah, it's it's all really in its in its infancy, and there's still a lot of um, legway to go. But what I will give you credit for is you're really good with social media. Like if you look at your Instagram, it's very well organized, color coded, all that stuff, and I like that. So you're you're not necessarily the first to do that, but you're one of the few who take the time to curate it like that. So if you look at that as an example in 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 how you can be someone who's on the cutting edge of something, because if someone's looking for like a young doctor, they're gonna look for an Instagram, they're gonna look for something like that. Um, so I think in the future, and then by future, I mean like in the next three to five years, <clears throat> there's going to be ways that you can have a, a crypto item or a token or a coin or something like that, that's going to provide you some utility and some benefit in the real world. So for example, there's currently like a bunch of different types of conferences. Is there like a physical therapy conference every year or something like that? Yeah, right? So that PT conference could have a NFT. And if you buy that and own that NFT, it, it'll almost be like a VIP card, but it doesn't just work for that one conference it could be that vip card in that entrance for the next five and then anytime there's any type of correlating you know pt conference in some area you owning that token could provide you access kind of like a club card or something like that but it doesn't have to be a physical one and it's one that you can transverse from the digital world and the physical world so in a business setting if you had something like that or anybody else who's listening to this, this is something I'm thinking about in my future, Dennis. If you have my NFT for my business, that would procure you some kind of discount or some kind of free treatment of some sort every X amount of time or a visual like talk like this. Say one of us or maybe both of us becomes like motivational speakers one day and our NFTs blow up. So if someone has that NFT, Hey, you could Zoom call me for 30 minutes if you have this NFT every month. Like you could, you pick the time, we'll do that. And that'll give you some utility. So that's the kind of ways that you can kind of grow its value. And then on top of that, another good thing about the NFTs, when it's sold, there's a royalty incentive. So if your NFT is sold to say Dean and Dean's your brother, and if Dean were to buy your NFT for $100, if you have a 5% royalty, you get $5. And the person who sold it gets $95. So every time that's sold, you get $5, $5. And if it's sold for more, the 5%, whatever. So it's a way to have passive income as well. So there's all these different manifestations that you can grow from it if it becomes that tool that I think it will be. Because even us as, I would say, mid-level you know, millennials, there's a couple years below us, there's a couple years ahead of us. So we're kind of right in the middle. We're still kind of that, that 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 in between type of group we, we didn't really grow up in the internet era we always had it it was we were aware of it i don't know if in high school you had a cell phone from day one but i didn't have one until maybe like my sophomore year and then texting was like something you had to pay for <laughs> like it wasn't like a foregone conclusion you would not go on the internet no way because your parents would kill you if you brought that internet bill so we have a different understanding of what it's like to have both that real life component and that digital component. And I think the, the Zoomers or the Gen Z, they literally grew up when Instagram was a thing. They grew up when Facebook was already a thing and their phones are always had internet. They always had touch screens, buttons. What's that? Sidekick, what, what is that? So like while, while we know both, 
we didn't necessarily grow with it and we can deal without it. But I do think that generation coming up ain't going to know what it's like to have it. Like, they probably don't even have cash. <laughs> like, what's cash? I only use my card. So I think that being on the forefront of that will have its benefits if it ever is adopted as a global thing. And you, as someone who's already savvy on the internet, it could be something that helps. And the people that are listening, if, if any of the things I'm saying make sense to you, then that's something you should research because you want to, you don't necessarily want to be the first in these things, but you want to be the best. Like you want to have someone, some kind of understanding of it, or at least some kind of general way to, to, to economize it and make it work for you. So that's kind of where I've been because while I'm still an employee on my nine to five, I'm trying to own in all the other stuff that I'm doing. And that's just one way to do it. So I find it interesting. I know that you're not necessarily, you know, grade five or 10, and I'm probably not even more than grade like a four or whatever, but I think it's really cool. And the more that we talk about it and people who are listening about it um, tend to look into it, I think the, the chances are it's going to keep really growing. Yeah, I think the, the possibilities are endless. It'll be interesting to see how things unfold in the next six months, year, whatever. And just uh, it's bound to happen that there's going to be changes in ec economical structure, technological advances. It's just going to happen. It's just whether it's going to fall on its face or not, this doesn't seem like it will. It'll be around. I, I, I think I'll have to take some time to realize how that fits into my business model, which I'm certainly amenable to that. Uh, but yeah, maybe we could talk offline about that because I'm sure we we could keep talking for another two hours. And honestly, we probably had conversations at Rutgers that lasted way longer multiple times. But I respect people's time. So, Dom, is there anything other than what you said already that you want to leave our listeners with other than save yourself and don't become a Knicks fan? <laughs> oh, man, the Knicks. Yeah, well, you know, like the Knicks. Don't be afraid to restart. That's something that I would tell people uh, because that's something that Knicks fans and fans of teams like the Knicks who have a really high profile, they don't think the fans are going to be patient for a restart. They need to get the next best thing, the full mode. Oh, we got to get that 35-year-old superstar who can't dribble anymore. Like, don't be afraid to restart. Start from scratch and kind of figure it out the hard way. Because if you keep going in a direction that's basically spinning your wheels, you're going to look back five, 10 years from now and be like, yo, what the hell did I do all that for? And then when you finally are able to restart, you know, something else is going to come your way. You're going to have another excuse or a reason to kind of keep spinning the wheels and spinning the wheels. And this isn't something that I'm saying I'm perfect at because I am very afraid of restarting. And maybe that's why I'm a Knicks fan. <laughs> but I know that that's something that I want to remove from me. And growth is not just adding, it's also removing and unlearning. So you have to kind of empty your cup out in order to fill it. I think Malcolm Gladwell said something like that. You can't keep filling the cup. You got to empty the stuff that don't suit you no more so you can fill it with the stuff that does. And that's considered a restart. So I would tell people generally, you know, as opposed to all the other things that I'm saying and, and they the keep persevering and boundaries, you got to fly over them and all that, all that applies. But don't be afraid to look at something and be like, this ain't working. And that works in healthcare when I'm doing a case and I'm like, I'm getting to a point where I'm just like, nah, I'm not going to keep doing this because at the end, this is going to be a problem. Restart. And you got to let people know, hey, I tried this. It ain't working. I'm, I'm, I'm going to eat the cost. I'm not charging you to redo it, but I'm not going to continue on this path. I got to find another one because I foresee this path not going the way I want. 
and people will respect that. Like no one's going to hold you to some kind of unmenable degree of, of responsibility if you're real with them and say, hey, this is on me. I made a misjudgment here, a miscalculation. I think we should try another way. And the earlier you do that, the better off you'll be, bro. Like you can feel it. Every one of us has that feeling in our gut when we know it ain't right. And you got to listen to that a couple more times than not. Don't be like the kind of person to just jump ship. I'll, I'll leave you guys with this one last thing. I tell my wife all the time. So there's these two different types of people in this world. So you go down a road and a brick hits you on the head. So the two different types of people in the world, the one person, the brick hits them on the head and they're like, hmm, that was weird. I wonder why a brick hit me on this road. I'm pretty sure that's a one-off. I'm going to take this road tomorrow. It's the shortest road. It's the best way to get to school. I'm not worried about that brick. And then there's a second person who gets hit with that brick. And they're like, I'm never going down this road again. That brick is going to hit me. And every time it hits me, I'm going to get brain damage. This road is a brick road. It's never happening. I'm taking a different road from now on. Neither person is wrong. Neither person is right. But you got to realize which one you are and how much more you need to balance yourself with the other side. I'm the kind of person who's going to look at that road and be like, ain't no brick going to hit me next time. I'll take that road again. Why not? And my wife, I call her one brick. Like, that's like her nickname in my phone is one brick. She gets hit once. She ain't going down that road again. It's a no-go. I'm done. That, that road is brick city. And again, you will save yourself a lot of trouble if you're the one brick kind of person. And you might find yourself in a position where you stumble on something great because you're the person who doesn't see the brick as a problem. We don't know which road it'll be. We don't know. But I need you guys to understand that it's up to you to figure out who you will be and if that brick is something you think is worth going down that road again and that's the best way i can explain it i think if people just fast forwarded to that last segment you can get an appreciation of of dom's wisdom and how i've seen him as not just an an asset would be a selfish way of looking at dom but a friend a role model over all these years and why i wanted dom to join me on on today's show but that's all we have time for, beautiful people. I again want to wait. I want to thank Dom for his insight. Now get out there and make shit happen. Thanks for listening to this episode of To Health and Back. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And in the meantime, to connect with Dr. Jordan Seda, you can contact him through all social media networks at dr.jordanseda and online at theabstractphysio.com. Until next time, and remember, if opportunity doesn't knock, build a door.